Welcome to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Rop, and I'm your host. back to Gnostic Insights. This week I've been reviewing the Tibetan Book of the Dead. You may wonder why, because you may not consider that to be a Gnostic text. But in the way I look at Gnosticism, I'm looking for the truth that comes from the Father and spreads out universally. So Gnostic wisdom doesn't have to come through what is considered to be historically Gnostic sources. A lot of people look at Gnosticism as an historical sect, right? And because they think of it in historical textual means, they only want to consider perhaps the Nag Hammadi scriptures or the Qumran scripts or the Dead Sea Scrolls. These are your traditional Gnostic texts. But I have here at Gnostic Insights previously shared with you some of the Tao Te Ching, which is Chinese wisdom that also reflects the same universal truths that we look at in Gnosticism. And here today, I'd like to look at the Tibetan Book of the Dead in the same way. So these are universal truths that have come through the Father and the Fullness and the Holy Spirit, and they are culturally embedded in Tibetan Buddhism. But that doesn't matter, because, see, you don't have to be a Tibetan Buddhist to appreciate the wisdom that has been shared through the Tibetan Book of the Dead. You know, I often say onward and upward. That's the way I sign off is generally onward and upward because I think it's extremely important to remember to go forward and to look up. You can do this all the time. You can do this daily onward and upward because when you look backward and down, then you are wallowing in fears and memes and threats. Backward and down is historical. It's already passed. There's nothing you can do about it. The only way to correct your current circumstances is by moving forward and looking up towards the Father in the fullness. And I got that expression, onward and upward, by my reading of the Tibetan Book of the Dead ah, many, many years ago. And I found the book to be highly repetitive because it, what it is... It's the 14 stages of death, or the 14 levels of hell, we could call them, or the 14 layers of what the Catholics would call purgatory. And the reason there are 14 such layers is because if one doesn't go onward and upward, then you fall back and down into one of these layers. So this book continually presents to the 
dying and deceased person what they are going to experience unless they realign themselves to go onward and upward. So the answer for each of these levels of purgatory, and they call them bardos, B-A-R-D-O, each of these bardos is resolved, basically, by remembering the Father and the great white light of the Father and moving onward and upward. Otherwise, you're falling back and down, and it gets worse and worse and scarier and scarier with each level of the bardos. Now, we don't have to go through the 14 levels of the bardos. As a Gnostic, you can go directly onward and upward when you shuffle off this mortal coil, as we call it. So when you die, your spirit carries on, your soul carries on, but you no longer have the material shroud surrounding you. And once the matter drops away, you're able to see more clearly and to discern more clearly and to not be confused or distracted by the entanglements of the world. But people who, after death, continue to look backward at their life and continue to look backward at their body with sorrow, regret, anger, and whatnot, they can't move onward and upward. They keep falling back and down until it becomes so uncomfortable and so frightening that they either run around looking for a new body to inhabit so they can get out of the bardos and at least come back to the material plane, or they recognize the light and they move onward and upward. And the goal of the Book of the Dead is to liberate souls from the wheel of earthly manifestation because they prefer that we be up in heaven or up in paradise in one of the layers of paradise rather than have to come back to the earth to be reincarnated again. Because as we know, this is a fallen world and it is a sad and disappointing world. It's a lot better up in paradise. So why keep falling back and down, see? In fact, according to the Tibetan Buddhism way of thinking, if you get all the way to the 13th, 14th bardo, and you still haven't seen the light, you may find yourself reincarnating into a dog or a horse or some other creature, even rather than a human, depending upon your karma and what your burdens are that you're carrying with you. Now, in the kind of Gnosticism that I've been teaching you, we also have karma. And this is what we call, in the Western tradition, just the, the results of your action. Karma is what comes from the things you do. And you can't get away from it. So, if you commit some sort of error or some sort of sin, then the karma of that will attach to you because you have created badness or sadness in the world. You have enabled the demiurge that much more. And so that is your karma. And then we also have our one self, right? Capital S, self. And in Tibetan Buddhism, they would refer to this as your inner Buddha, because that is your enlightened soul. And we know that our self, that we all share, we all share the same one self, that is a 
duplication, a replication of the fullness of God, all condensed down into ourself. So we always carry the gnosis with us. We always have the potential for gnosis, for reuniting with the Father in the fullness and the Son. We always carry that inside of us. And we just need to realize that. And interestingly enough, even though Tibetan Buddhism is an entirely different line of wisdom, located in a different part of the world, embedded in a different historical and cultural tradition, they believe many of the same things that we Gnostics do. For example, Tibetan Buddhism believes in a trinity, the trinity. They happen to call it different words, but it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the process of attaining salvation or Buddhahood and not having to reincarnate into the material world is the same. It's the gnosis of having come from the Father. It's the gnosis of recognizing the eons of the fullness. It also requires the same act of stepping outside of your ego and letting go of the things that you hold near and dear in this world that you've been living in. And so I will be getting to reading portions of the Book of the Dead to you, but I'm giving you this introduction first so that you can see that this is relevant to our Gnostic studies. Because the only way to go onward and upward is to remove your egoic soul, your collection of memes that you hold near and dear. It's to remove those from the center of your being and re-enthrone the self as the ruler of this manifestation. We would call that walking with God. The Buddhists would call it putting the Buddha on the throne, enshrining your own personal Buddha. Now, throughout the Book of the Dead, they are expecting that the person who has died will have had some sort of spiritual education. They will have a, a guru or a teacher that they follow. They will have a personal God because they believe in lots of different gods. They will have a teacher. And it is expected that during the period of dying and then during the first a couple of weeks after death, preferably their teacher or a, an enlightened person, a monk from a local monastery, in our Western tradition, we would say it would be your guru or your minister or a friend that you trust implicitly and that you know to be a righteous person. It is expected that someone will sit with the dying person and then with their corpse and read the entirety of the Tibetan Book of the Dead out loud to the person face to face and directly in their ear so that the wisdom therein can be transmitted to the soul as it wanders around the bardos seeking redemption. What I would like to do for everyone listening here today is to assure you that you do not have to go through the 14 layers of hell in order to find redemption. Remember that the figure called the Christ has brought redemption to all of us. The Christ in our Western Gnostic tradition is our guru, is our personal deity, as they call it in the East. 
So you don't have to feel as though this is some sort of pagan ritual where you have to find a god of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition and pray to them. That's not necessary. Just like we don't need to memorize the 365 names of the eons or the various derivatives thereof or practice certain rituals in order to become enlightened or to know God or to rejoin the elect after death. None of that is necessary. All you need to know, the gospel of Valentinian Gnosticism says that all you need to know is you need to remember the Father and remember the fullnesses, remember the Son and the Christ, and that pulls you in the upward and onward direction. So what I would recommend is that continually, as you are living, as we are living day to day, hour by hour, think upon and remember the fullness and the Father or think upon and remember, be aware of the Christ. And you can abstract the Christ if you feel the need to. I don't abstract the Christ. I am happy to believe in Jesus because I am from that Western tradition. So for me, my personal deity would be Jesus the Christ. No harm, no foul to believe in Jesus the Christ, right? But you don't have to believe in Jesus per se. You can go directly into believing in the fullness and the Son and the Father, but knowing that Christ is the one that saved you. But remember, it is not through our act, but through the Christ's act that we are saved. So that is why we have universal redemption. The Christ has done its job. We are all saved. We are all redeemed we will all return to paradise. But it may take you a while if you don't believe that. It may take you a while if you forget that. It may take you a while if you hate the Christ, if you hate God. Then you're going to fall down, 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 down through those 14 levels of hell. It isn't God doing it to you. It is your psyche not recognizing the self that resides within you. It's your own ego pushing away remembrance of the fullness in the Father. So let's look at this now in terms of the Tibetan Book of the Dead and see what it's like. I find it very interesting. Now keep in mind that all of this material is being read out loud to a person who is dying and then is repeated between three and seven times every day for the next couple of weeks to the dead body to continue to instruct them in case they are lost and wandering around the bardos. But if they are immediately taken up to paradise, that isn't necessary. So beginning here, by the guide, the highest intellects ought most certainly to be liberated. But should they not be liberated, then, while in the intermediate state of the moments of death, they should practice the transference, which giveth automatic liberation by one's merely remembering it. And by the way, the highest intellects, those would be the Gnostics. Carrying on, devotees of ordinary wit 
ought most certainly to be freed thereby, but should they not be freed then, while in the intermediate state, during the experiencing of reality, they should persevere in the listening to this great doctrine of liberation by hearing. Accordingly, the devotee should at first examine the symptoms of death as they gradually appear in his dying body, allowing self-liberation by observing the characteristics of the symptoms of death. Then, when all the symptoms of death are complete, he should apply the transference which conferreth liberation by merely remembering the process. If the transference hath been effectually employed, there's no need to read the remainder of this book. But if the transference hath not been effectually employed, then this thodol, which is the teaching, is to be read correctly and distinctly near the dead body. And they say that if there's no corpse, then read it to their empty bed or the chair where they usually sit, like if the person's missing. But they want it to be directed to that spirit. And by the way, I am not reading this word for word, the whole thing, because it's a whole book. So I did take out what I am sharing with you today. Now, the person speaking to the person who's dying says this, Oh, nobly born so-and-so, put your name here. So it would be like if I were the one who was dying, someone would say to me, Oh, nobly born Sid. The time hath now come for thee to seek the path in reality. Thy breathing is about to cease. Thy teacher hath set thee face to face before with the clear light. And now thou art about to experience it in its reality in the Bardo state, wherein all things are like the void and cloudless sky, and the naked spotless intellect is like unto a transparent vacuum without circumference and without center. At this moment, know thou thyself, and abide in that state. At this moment, the first glimpsing of the bardo of the clear light of reality, and by the way, to us Gnostics, we would call that the Father, the clear light of reality, which is the infallible mind of the Dharmakaya, and that is the Father in Tibetan Buddhism. This is experienced by all sentient beings, in those who have led an evil life, and in those of unsound nerves, the above state endureth only so long as it would take to snap a finger. Again, in some, it endureth as long as the time taken for the eating of a meal. Now, stepping in to make a comment, it says this in many of our books in the Nag Hammadi scriptures, I recognize this phrase, that to those who have rejected the Father, Upon death, the coming of the light is frightening and like lightning striking and only lasts for a moment. Carrying on. O nobly born, that which is called death is coming to thee now. Resolve thus. O this is now the hour of death. By taking advantage of the death, I will so act for the good of all sentient beings, peopling the illimitable expanse of the heavens so as to obtain the perfect Buddhahood, by resolving on love and compassion towards them, and by directing my entire effort to the sole perfection. Shaping the thoughts thus, especially at this time, 
when the dharmakaya of the clear light in the state after death can be realized for the benefit of all sentient beings, know that thou art in that state, and resolve that thou wilt obtain the best boon of the state of the great symbol in which thou art. Even if I cannot realize it, yet will I know this bardo, and mastering the great body of the union in bardo, will appear in whatever shape will benefit all beings whomsoever. I will serve all sentient beings, infinite in number, as are the limits of the sky. Keeping thyself unseparated from this resolution, thou shouldst try to remember whatever devotional practices thou wert accustomed to, and to perform them during thy lifetime. In saying this, the reader shall put his lips close to the ear, and shall repeat it distinctly clearly impressing it upon the dying person, so as to prevent his mind from wandering even for a moment. And say thus, Reverend Sir, now that thou art experiencing the fundamental clear light, try to abide in that state which now thou art experiencing. O nobly born so-and-so, listen. Now thou art experiencing the radiance of the clear light of pure reality. When my best friend Lou was passing away and she was in the hospital, she didn't want to hear about God. So how I put it to her was, I said to her, Lou, you might soon find yourself tumbling in a place as if you had been out body surfing in the ocean. And you'll find yourself tumbling around and you'll be lost. You won't know which direction is up and down. But open your eyes and look for the light above the water. Look for the sun above the ocean. That's how I put it to her. Raise your eyes and look for the light. And swim upward to it. Swim upward. Remember this. Look for the light and swim upward. So I will pass on that wisdom to any of you that might find that helpful. In this Tibetan Buddhism sense, they say, now thou art experiencing the radiance of the clear light of pure reality. Recognize it, O nobly born, thy present intellect, in nature, void, not formed into anything as regards characteristics or color, naturally void. This is the very reality, the all good. Thine own intellect, which is now void, yet not to be regarded as of the voidness of nothingness, but as being the intellect itself, unobstructed, shining, thrilling, and blissful, is the very consciousness, the all-good Buddha, thine own consciousness not formed into anything, in reality void, and the intellect shining and blissful. These two are inseparable. The union of them is the Dharmakaya state of perfect enlightenment. And again, commentary, this perfect enlightenment that they're speaking of, your voidness, that is the pure self sitting on your throne of consciousness now, because your ego hasn't cluttered it up with a bunch of junk. Again, reading, thine own consciousness shining void and inseparable from the great body of radiance, hath no birth nor death, and is the immutable light. Knowing this is sufficient. 
recognizing the voidness of thine own intellect to be Buddhahood, or we would call it self or the fullness of God, and looking upon it as being thine own consciousness is to keep thyself in the state of the divine mind of the Buddha. This will cause the naked consciousness to be recognized as the clear light. And that naked consciousness, you see, is our self. And they will recognize it as one and the same as the clear light of the fullness of the sun. And thus, recognizing that these are one and the same, you will become permanently united with the Father and liberation will be certain. Now, there's more about um, the flow of karma through the body. When the consciousness principle getteth outside the body, it saith to itself, am I dead or am I not dead? Because it cannot determine. It sees its relatives and connections as it had been used to seeing them before. It even heareth the wailings. The terrifying karmic illusions have not yet dawned nor have the frightful apparitions or experiences caused by the lords of death yet come. During this interval, the directions are to be applied by the reader. If the deceased are common folk, you say, meditate upon the great compassionate Lord. And in our Western tradition, this is usually to be determined as Jesus Christ. By thus being set face to face, even those who would not be expected to recognize the bardo or the death unaided are undoubtedly certain to recognize it. Persons who, while living, had been set face to face with the reality by a guru, yet who have not made themselves familiar with it, will not be able to recognize the bardo clearly by themselves, either by a guru or a brother in the faith will have to impress vividly such persons. There may even be those who have made themselves familiar with the teachings, yet who, because of the violence of the disease that caused their death, may be mentally unable to withstand the illusions of the bardo. For such, also this instruction is absolutely necessary. Again, there are those who, though previously familiar with the teachings, have become liable to pass into the miserable states of existence, owing to breach of vows or failure to perform essential obligations honestly. To them, this instruction is indispensable. While on the second stage of the bardo, one's body is of the nature of that called the shining illusory body. We call it the light body sometimes, right? Not knowing whether he is dead or not, a state of lucidity comes to the deceased. If the instructions be successfully applied to the deceased while he is in that state, then by the meeting of the mother reality and the offspring reality, karma controlleth not. And in Gnostic terms, those of you who are Sethians would call that mother reality the barbello, and the offspring reality would be the son. Like the sun's rays, for example, dispelling the darkness, the clear light on the path dispelleth the power of karma. And again, karma is the results of your actions while you were alive. And they are of no consequence if you can recognize the light after death. Your karma cannot attach to you 
if you go onward and upward to the light. Because that was the job of the Christ, to redeem all of that bad karma, see? But if you don't believe in the Christ, and you don't believe in the fullness, or the Father, or the Son, then your karma stays attached to you. And the book says that, the Book of the Dead says, that when you're in the second bardo state, you can hear the people crying over your body. You can see them. And you get upset and angry at them because you can hear them and they can't hear you. And so you get more stirred up in an angry kind of way than you were when you first died. But that is an illusion to get stirred up. Because at this moment, you are to apply the reality of light to your situation. You are to remember the fullness in the Father, and then you won't go backward and downward. But if you don't remember them at this point, you're going to go down to the third level of the bardo. There's a lot of this, and they go into detail about each of the bardos, and they get worse and worse and more and more frightening. They come to resemble the depictions of hell that uh, we are familiar with in the paintings of the Dark Ages and whatnot, and the wrathful preaching of ministers who try to coerce people into righteousness. And that, of course, doesn't work. But any time it says you realize this, then you turn your eyes upward and you'll escape. By the way, before I forget to mention this, it occurs to me that speaking of these levels of purgatory or hell, or bardos, and how if you're not redeemed in your first or second or third bardo, it just gets worse and worse and worse for you, and you go down, down, down into more and more terrifying and disturbing realms of the bardo. It is like our life, is it not? Are these bardos not a reflection of this creation, this demiurgic world in which we find ourselves. You can live in this world, even though it was created by the demiurge. You can live in an enlightened, ascended state. You can live in the midst of love and compassion. Or you can strengthen your ego instead of your big S self. And the more you strengthen your ego through the acquisition of worldly or demiurgic memes, the further down and back you go until many people find themselves in extreme distress, extreme despair, even bouts of hallucinations of the same sort of visions that assail people in the second set of bardos, the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th bardos are extreme forms of hell. And many people find themselves in those extreme forms of hell, even while they're in this life. And so all of this Gnostic talk that I do is to try to help you here and now to raise your eyes upward and to follow the light, the same light that would pull you out of these bardos if you were dead. But why not pull yourself out of these bardos now? The expression, to know thyself, is quite true. 
And the self is the big S self. And that is what puts you in alignment with the fullness and the father. Okay, back to the Book of the Dead. Paging down through the various bardos, at around bardo seven, you start falling into what we would recognize as levels of hell, unbearable misery, where you're not sure if you'll ever get out. Look not at it and avoid anger. Be not attracted to it. Be not weak. Rather, believe in the dazzling bright white light. And by putting thy whole heart earnestly upon that light, you pray to it. May I be led safely across the fearful ambush of this bardo, and may I be placed in the state of the all-perfect Buddhahood. And praying thus, in intense and humble faith, thou wilt merge in rainbow light into the heart of Buddhahood, in the eastern realm called preeminently happy. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, now now at this point, see, people aren't re-emerging back into the pure father. They're being distributed into various parts of paradise, into various realms. And if you've made it into this seventh day and the, then you are saved at that point, you will enter the realm of the preeminently happy. But if you don't, if it says because... And here's how you will not make it in. There are classes of men who, having created much bad karma, or having failed in observances of vows, or their lot for higher development being altogether lacking, prove unable to recognize their obscurations and evil karma from covetousness and miserliness, and they flee. Then various deities proceeding from miserliness and attachment will come to receive one. And see, we would call those attachments the memes that create your karma. So you won't go on if you're holding on to attachments. And so it says abandon attachment and weakness for it. At that time, through the influence of intense attachment, thou wilt become terrified by the dazzling light and wilt wish to flee from it. So don't be afraid of the glorious, dazzling, transparent, radiant light. Recognize it as wisdom, and therefore you will attain Buddhahood. But if you don't, thou will fall into the world of the unhappy spirits and suffer unbearable misery from hunger and thirst. Be not attached to it and abandon habitual propensities, that is, drop those means. Be not weak. Trust in the dazzling light. And here's what I want to say at this point. It's best not to wait until death to go through these practices of attachment and unattachment. This is the actual reason to pursue gnosis or to meditate upon the Father or to pray to the Son or your personal deity, Jesus Christ. You do it while you're alive. It isn't a matter of studying and remembering the names of deities and the names of angels or the types of rituals or making sure that you're baptized before you die or else you'll go to hell. That is all irrelevant. All that you need to know is to look upward, remember the fullnesses, remember the eons of the fullness, remember the Father 
remember the sun. At the very least, remember your personal deity. If that is Jesus Christ, you remember Jesus, and he has promised that he will take you by the hand and lead you upward to the Father. This is what we need to accept now on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Because if we are practiced in this while we are alive, you see, we won't have to learn it the hard way when we're dead. You can completely escape the torments of hell. And believe me, in this book of the dead, they get scarier and scarier. They get worse and worse. Why go through that? That's not a smart thing to do. If you're curious about them, then go ahead and look up the Tibetan Book of the Dead. You can find a PDF of it for free on the internet, and you can read all the details about all these bardos of the dead. I don't recommend it, because I know that many of the listeners to Gnostic Insights have embraced a form of Gnosticism where they feel like they have to immerse themselves into all of the variances of the archons that they have to familiarize themselves with the inner workings of the Demiurge. No, you don't. It is that kind of thinking that leads you into misery. And I think what I see in these bardos are the same exact types of miseries that people find themselves in today. Once you become aware of these types of ethereal planes that are working on us at all times, the smart money, the good bet, is to bet on salvation, is to repent and be redeemed now, sooner rather than later. Live out the remainder of your life. Enjoy. Recognize the true self is the reflection of the fullness of God. Pray to your personal deity mine being Jesus, pray on a regular basis that you might be freed from delusion. That's all we're trying to be, is freed from delusion. So let me go on to the ending of this. For the souls that continue to resist and that don't drop their earthly attachments or hold on to their egoic self, they will find themselves in this 14th bardo. And at that point, you know, they're surrounded by blood-drinking deities and they're being hacked to bits by swords and all kinds of horrible things are going on. It says to offer up this prayer. So see, here's one of the last chance prayers. Alas, when I am wandering in the sansara, and that is the delusion, on the light path of the abandonment of fright, fear and awe, may the bands of the Bhagavans, both the peaceful and the wrathful ones, lead me. May the bands of the wrathful goddess rich in space be my rear guard and save me from the fearful ambush of the bardo and place me in the state of the perfectly enlightened Buddhas. When wandering alone, separated from dear friends, when the void forms of one's own thoughts are shining here, May the Buddhas, exerting the force of their grace, cause not to come the fear, awe, and terror in this bardo. When the five bright wisdom lights are shining here, may recognition come without dread and without awe. 
when the divine bodies of the peaceful and of the wrathful are shining here, may the assurance of fearlessness be obtained and the bardo be recognized. When by the power of evil karma, misery is being tasted, may the teaching deities dissipate that misery. When the natural sound of reality is reverberating like a thousand thunders, may they be transmuted into the sounds of the six syllables. And those six syllables in Buddhism are Om Mani Padme Hum. So what, in other words, what he's saying is, don't be afraid of the cacophony of the thunderous fear, but separate it into these six godly syllables that every good Buddhist would already know, you see. I beseech the gracious, compassionate one to protect me, when suffering miseries of karmic propensities here, may the blissfulness of the clear light dawn. May the five elements not rise up as enemies, but may I behold the realms of the five orders of the enlightened ones. Thus, in earnest faith and humility, offer up the prayer whereby all fears will vanish and Buddhahood undoubtedly will be one. This would be a nice prayer to think on now, while we're alive. So, in conclusion, and this is still part of the Tibetan Book of the Dead being read out loud, whatever the religious practices of anyone may have been, whether extensive or limited, during the moments of death, various misleading illusions occur, and hence this instruction is indispensable. To those who have meditated much, the real truth dawneth as soon as the body and consciousness principle part. The acquiring of experience while living is important. They who have then recognized the true nature of their own being, and thus have had some experience, obtain great power during the bardo of the moments of death, when the clear light dawneth. Again, the meditation on the deities of the mystic path of the mantra, both in the visualizing and the perfecting stages, while living, will be of great influence when the peaceful and wrathful visions dawn on the bardo. Thus, the training of this bardo, being of particular importance even while living, hold to it, read it, commit it to memory, bear it in mind properly, Read it regularly three times. Let the words and the meanings be very clear. It should be so that the words and the meaning will not be forgotten, even though a hundred executioners were pursuing thee. Even those people who have fallen so far in their lifetime as to commit what are considered unforgivable sins will be forgiven if they turn to the light upon death. And we certainly say that in Gnosticism as well. It is a good thing to read the scriptures. It is a good thing to be reminded of right action and right thought. But even then, in my opinion, the thing that is most important is to turn your gaze directly upward to the fullness of God, because we carry the fullness of God within us. And according to Gnosticism, we can achieve Gnosis, and we can achieve redemption and salvation 
through the Christ by simply remembering it. It's not a matter of memorization, practice, or study. It's a matter of remembrance. It's a matter of gnosis. This part of the instruction is from the appendix at the end of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and it is for the living to be reminded of how important it is to study these works while you're alive and not wait until you're dead and suffering the miseries of hell to have it read into your ear, see? It says that those who meet with this doctrine are indeed fortunate, except for those who have accumulated much merit and absolved many obscurations or dropped all their memes, we would say. Difficult is it to meet with it. Even when met with, difficult is it to comprehend it. Liberation will be won through simply not disbelieving it upon hearing it. Therefore, treat this doctrine very dearly. It is the essence of all doctrines. That seems like a good place to stop for today. If you have questions or comments, please write to me using the comments form that you will find at GnosticInsights.com under the Contact Us tab. I like to hear from people. Write to me. So remember, always remember the Father. Always remember the fullness of God. Keep your eyes up and take every opportunity that you can every single day to turn your eyes upward. And this will dispel fear and misery and despair. And that is one of the big lessons of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Turn your eyes upward, go to the good light, believe on the Father, and you will be saved. Until next time, onward and upward, and God bless.